back in the day, I was in high school, and uh, my favorite thing to do was play slam ball. In my uh, backyard, we actually had two trampolines, full size, and uh, it was amazing because my mom let us set a giant basketball hoop at one, one side, and every day after school, we would come home with like this massive squad, and we would play slam ball. Like You start on one trampoline. Did, did you guys ever see it on ESPN Like when it was kind of a thing for like a year? It died out, but um, we would like every day come home and play slam ball, and um, I got this like genius idea one day of like dude I because we would like jump really high from one trampoline on the other side I was like dude I want to hide a giant toy box under one of the trampolines and my brother Rousseau he would always be the first one home and he would start jumping and I was like it'd be so funny like if you jumped from one side all the way to the other and like landed in the toy box and so um I got home before Rousseau for school and I put this giant toy box under the one of the trampolines and um when Rousseau got home I got my video camera out and I was like dude I was like before everyone gets here for slam ball I want to get a video of you just jumping as high as you can and just like fly across to the other trampoline and he was like yeah dude that'd be so sick so we go onto the one trampoline and he didn't like see the other one with like this massive toy box under it and he just starts jumping and I'm like filming I'm like bro go higher go higher and he's like jumping as high as he could and I told him like dude fly across to the other one like you jump and you land on your back and it's like so fun I was like dude fly across I'm gonna put this on my space it's gonna be so sick and he was like yeah dude that's gonna be sick so he's like jumping so high and he flies across like this gap from one trampoline to the other and he lands straight on his back on the other trampoline but the toy box was only like maybe a foot underneath it so he just goes boom and like crushes this toy box and the toy box shatters and it's just like the most gnarly crashing noise and I'm like filming and I'm like oh and I'm like dying laughing and he like can't breathe on the trampoline he's like laying there and like oh and he's like I like I thought maybe I'd killed him for a second and I was kind of like oh my gosh it's awesome and I was kind of like oh my gosh, it's a sketch, and he actually is just like screaming, like horror screams, I was like, dude, wait till we get the microphone, record that for the metal band, but that was a whole different story, but I was like, dude, these, like, his screams were just brutal, and he laid there for like five minutes, he like couldn't move, and he was so mad at me, and um, for, for the rest of our history of like trampolines and slam ball and all of that, Rousseau would never like go on the trampoline again when I was filming him, or he would like always look under every single one because, you know, an incident like that creates some serious trust issues in your relationship, you know, as brothers, and uh, it took him a while to work through that, you know, he went through some counseling and stuff, and, you know, we, we learned to forgive and whatnot, but uh, for the rest of Rousseau's life, even even to this day, you'll see if he ever goes on a trampoline, he will always like check under it. And if I'm like trying to film anything, he's always kind of skeptical. And so it did create, again, serious trust issues between us. And the reality is everybody has trust issues. If we're being honest with ourselves, everyone has trust issues um, with other people. And really trust issues are a result of broken trust in past experiences. So because I broke his trust, because I did that, he no longer trusted me. And you may have experienced this in relationships with your spouse. Uh, maybe there are some trust issues in your relationship with your spouse because of past experiences of broken trust. Maybe you have trust issues with your kids because your kids have broken your, tr- your trust when you give them bigger boundaries and try to give them more freedom, but they, they abuse that and they break trust. And so now you have a hard time continuing to trust them. It could be with friends. Uh, we all know what that's 
like to, to have a friend break trust or to, to stab you in the back or to lie about you or whatever. And so it's, it's difficult. We live in a world realistically where we have a lot of broken relationships because trust has been broken a lot of times and could be family members, could be friends, could be coworkers. But trust issues are always a result of broken trust from past experiences. However, it's interesting that our biggest trust issue, although we do have trust issues with people who have broken our trust, our biggest trust issue, if we're 100% honest with ourselves, is with God. We have the most difficulty trusting God, and it's interesting because God's the only person who never has broken our trust. God's the only person who continues to remain faithful when we are faithless. God's the only person who never has lied. He never has cheated us. He's never stabbed us in the back. He's never broken a single promise. And yet, although he has been perfectly faithful to us, for some reason we have such a difficult time trusting him with our lives, trusting him with our plans, trusting him with our families, trusting him with our finances. And if anything, the reality is God should have trust issues with us. God should not trust us and entrust us with all of the things that he does. It's so backwards, right? Like we have a hard time trusting God who's been perfectly faithful in every experience and yet God trusts us with so much and, and we screw up and we mess up and we fail and, and we don't use the things that he's given us in the way that he designed it to and yet he, he continues to trust us. He, he continues to give us more. He continues to, to give us grace. And so it's just interesting, the dynamic in our relationship with God, how we do have so much trouble trusting him. And today I want to address the why. I want to try and get to why is that? Like I understand why it could be hard to trust other people who, who have hurt us and who have wronged us, but why is it so difficult for us to trust a perfect God, a, a perfect, faithful, loving God? And, uh, uh, the why uh, comes down to three things, but I first want you to see Proverbs chapter three. Check this out. Proverbs chapter three, you guys probably know these verses. They've been life verses for me. Verse five says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. So today we're gonna talk about what that means to trust in the Lord. But uh, three things that, that I know for me personally, why is it so hard for us to trust the Lord? Well, first and foremost, it's not natural. Trusting God is, is not natural because the natural heart that we do have trusts in self. The natural heart that we have, as Jeremiah says in chapter 17, verse 9, the, the heart is deceitful above all things, and it's desperately sick. And so a lot of times, our natural heart, again, it, it doesn't trust God. It, we, we trust ourselves. It's deceitful. And uh, the book of Romans says it quite clearly in chapter 3, verse 10. I'll just read these verses to you, or you can write them down if you want. Uh, it says in Romans 3, there's none righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks after God. All have turned aside and become unprofitable. None does good, not even one. So again, naturally, we don't trust God. Our, our natural condition and our natural heart does not seek God. It does not trust God. It trusts in self. And so that is first and foremost why it's so difficult for us to trust God because it's not our natural inclination. Naturally, we, we're trusting in self. Number two, why it's so hard for us to, to trust God is uh, similar to it's not natural is we like to be in control. 
to trust God with our lives, with our future, with our relationships, finances, whatever it is, means we have to let go of control. And because, again, we naturally trust self means we want to be in control. I I don't want someone else to, to dictate my future, to dictate my decisions. We don't want to give up control to God. And that's a difficult thing that we struggle with. And so it's not natural. That makes it difficult. We like to be in control. That makes it difficult. And thirdly, which I think is probably the biggest one, the biggest reason for me personally, and maybe you can relate why we have such a hard time trusting God and just giving him everything in our lives is because uh, if we're realistic, God's timing and the way that he works is usually a, a lot longer than we like. When we're going to give everything to God, give our future, give our plans, give our relationship, give that to God, his timing and the way that he works is a lot slower than we're used to. You see, we're living in a culture that tells you you can have everything you want at any time you want in any moment. Like more and more and more, we're becoming so like focused on what can I get now? What can I have now? You guys might have like seen recently how like Amazon is working on like drone delivery. So like two days isn't fast enough on Prime, right? Like you need the drone and they're starting to roll it out in big cities where a drone's gonna bring you your package in 30 minutes. It's like, oh my gosh, I need that right now. And it's crazy, but more and more, this is where culture's going. It's in the instant. And for me, like it started in high school with instant mashed potatoes. That was the first thing in my life where you guys know how good mashed potatoes are, but it sucks. Like making them, you're like, oh, come on, this takes forever. But who is the genius who's like dump powder in boiling water? And like, I don't know if you've had instant mashed potatoes. I lived off those in Bible college. They were amazing. And that's where it like started. But now like if you think about where culture's at today and how quick everything moves, it's insane. We no longer drive to Blockbuster or Hollywood to rent a video. You have Netflix on your TV. You can get any movie you want immediately. So that's an instant thing right there, right? You're no longer waiting 30 minutes to catch a taxi. You got uber on your phone and well some of you some of you maybe don't but get it it's legit and it's actually just got approved for ashland praise the lord so um it's 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 an instant it's like boom your ride's there in two minutes it's amazing you no longer have dial-up internet some of you younger kids if you're still here you don't even know what that is but everyone else knows right you remember when you were trying to check your myspace and it's like and it's like making these weird noise and you're like oh come on i just want to see who commented on my picture or whatever like dial-up was like you wait two minutes to get to one website now we got like 4g lte bars and if your phone's taking more than like two seconds to load your instagram feed you're like come on this sucks you're like freaking out because you have to wait two seconds right think about this like photos we used to have to, you take all your photos on your camera, you take it into Walmart, you used to have to wait a couple days to get the negatives developed, then they did like one hour, but now it's like instant. If you want to see a picture, like you take it on your phone and it's right there, we're like, oh, I don't have to wait three days to get my photos developed, they're, they're right here, we're living in an instant culture. ATMs, like we're not even using those anymore. Well, some of you maybe still do, but if you get a paycheck, you can actually take a picture of it on your phone and it just deposits it immediately. We're not like driving to the ATM to pull out cash to pay your buddy back. You just square cash people. It's all instant. Like, think about this too. Like, you want to, back in the day, like, after school... 
like when you went home, if you wanted to hang out with friends, like you actually had to wait the next day at school, like in elementary school to see them. But now it's like, you don't have to wait to hang out. People just get on Snapchat and Instagram and you feel like you're present with all your friends all day long. It's this instant gratification culture that we're living in. And so more and more, this is where culture is going. It's going to the immediate, it's going to the instant, anything we want, we can have it right here and now. And while we're running our lives off of like a 4G LTE instant everything, God is still running off dial-up. And if we're being honest, that's a difficult thing for us to process and understand. And that's why we don't trust him with things because we want everything now. God, I want you to answer my prayers now. I want that relationship now. I need these bills paid now. I need that job now. And we're, and we're having a difficult time giving everything over to God because the, the pace at which he moves all throughout scripture is a lot slower than the pace that culture is at today. In Genesis chapter 12, I'll give you a few examples. God told Abraham that he was going to make him a promise to him make him the father of many nations and Abraham was 75 years old at that time and he was like oh that's a joke like we can't have kids Abraham had to wait 25 years before he had his kid that God promised him could you imagine that God's like I'm making you a promise and you're like waiting 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 25 years for one promise to have his son the children of Israel when they were being led out of captivity in the book of Exodus uh, being led out of Egyptian slavery they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years before they went into the promised land God told them this is the land I'm giving you this is where you guys are going to be and yet 40 years and I'll tell you the journey out of Egypt into the promised land is not a 40 year walk but they had to wander in there because God was doing something deeper in them for 40 years in John chapter 11 we see one of Jesus's best friends a man by the name of Lazarus was sick and his friends came to Jesus who was on the in a whole nother town and said hey Lazarus whom you love is sick come and heal him and it says and Jesus waited two days where he was at and it's like what? Like your homeboy is sick and you're just going to like chill for two days. Yep. That's what he does. And so again, all throughout scripture, we see that God's timing and the way that he works is, is a lot slower than the timing that, that we're used to and the way that culture is progressing and the way that things are moving. And because of that, it's so difficult for us to trust God with our lives, for us to trust God with our future, for us to put everything in his hands because we don't like how things move so slow. We want to be in control and we want to have it right now. But what if God in his timing and God doing things a lot slower than we're used to. What if God is, is really in his timing and in his plans trying to slow us down to actually get us to see things more clearly and also to appreciate the small things? Like, have you ever thought of that? When you're driving 100 miles an hour down the freeway, you can't, if you look out the window, you, you can't make anything out. You can't see things clearly. You, you, you don't understand. You don't have time to appreciate the small things and maybe the flowers that might be growing on the side of the freeway. But in life, we oftentimes are going so fast. It's about the here and now, the instant. A lot of times, we're not seeing clearly what, what God has planned for our lives. And also, we're missing out on appreciating the small things that he's put before us every single day because we're going so fast. And so, the, again, we, we have a hard time trusting God. His timing's slower, but it's realistically because we think that the instant is better. We think having everything here and now the way we want it and having our prayers answered here and now is better. But God says it's actually not better. 
the speed at which your life is going and, and the instant everything, it feels good and it's great to have in that moment, but we actually don't see life as clear and we actually miss out on a lot of small things that God is trying to show us when we're moving at the speed of 100 miles an hour in our life. And if you notice in the life of Jesus, if you read through the entire gospels, you will never see one moment in Jesus's life and the entire gospels where Jesus is in a rush. You never see Jesus in a hurry. You never say, see Jesus saying, hey guys, don't got time for you. I got to get out of here. Jesus actually was able to see things and see people who had needs that nobody else was able to recognize. Why is that? Because Jesus was fully present. The speed at which he was moving, the speed at which he was living his life, he was able to see, oh man, these kids are here and make time for the little kids to come to him and to pray over them and to teach a lesson. He was able to make time in the midst of a giant crowd when one woman, came and touched the hem of his garment and he stopped in the middle of that and he realized he perceived something man someone touched me someone here has a need how is he able to recognize that it's because Jesus the speed at which he lived life was such a slow speed he was able to see things more clearly and he was able to put value in the small things that a lot of people might have missed out on and so I want to just challenge you guys specifically in the holiday season where everything is sped up even more than it normally is. We're like, oh man, there's so much going on and I got to get these presents and we got to do this. In the midst of a holiday season where life is moving a million miles an hour and if you guys have kids, it's going even faster. And if you're running a business, it's even faster. Like in the midst of life going so fast and everything happening so fast, I want to just challenge us and encourage us to just slow down and to just make time to appreciate the small things that God's given you. And also when you do that, when you just take a step back and say, you know what, maybe I don't need to do all these things right now that I think I need to do in that moment that you just slow down, you'll see God just refocus the attention of your heart. You'll be able to see things more clearly and appreciate things more clearly. As I was studying for this message, um, I shared this with my wife this week that, man, I feel like I've been going just so fast, a million miles an hour that I haven't had time to just properly be present with my wife. And I had to tell her yesterday that I want to work on that, that I want to be more present, that in the midst of crazy church planting and all that's happening, I need to just take time to just slow down and and appreciate where God's brought us in our relationship and in our marriage. So I want to just encourage you guys in this. The instant and the speed at which we're going in life isn't always the best, although we think it is. God sometimes in his timing says, you know what? I don't have that for you right now. I'm going to slow you down right now. Uh, I'm not going to put you in that position. I'm not going to give you that relationship. I'm not going to give you these things right now. And when God begins to slow your life down, it's because he's really trying to refocus your attention. But again, we have a difficult time trusting that and trusting God's timing because, again, we're just so used to the speed at which culture's going and the speed at which life is now moving. But I want to challenge us. Just make time and allow God to, to, to set the pace on your life and to slow down and appreciate the things that he's given you. So we, we see that these, for me personally, I've learned, are really why it's so difficult to, to trust the Lord. It's not natural. We like to be in control, and God's timing on everything usually takes a lot longer than we're used to. But I want to get back to the heart of the text here and, and address what does it really mean to trust the Lord? It says in Proverbs 3, trust the Lord with all your heart. What does that mean? Well, in the original language here, the word trust, it actually conveys the idea of laying helplessly face down 
down and and it comes with a, a word picture, which is where this word came from. It pictured a defeated soldier who was yielding himself to a conquering general. So that's where this word trust really comes from. A soldier who is laying on his face with his arms out, yielding everything to a general who's came and conquered him. And in that moment, if you're at war face down because the general's standing there, that's what, that's what trust looks like. You're, you're, you're entrusting and you're fully surrendered. And this general, whatever he wants to do, whatever he's going to do with you, he's going to do. And you're really trusting your entire life with that general. And it's interesting. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart. And this is interesting as well. The word heart here. We sometimes think, you know, what does that mean? What does that mean to, to trust? Okay, again, surrender, lay everything down before the general. Trust the Lord with all your heart. We, we don't really get that. We, we go, okay, you know, in my heart, God, I trust you. But what does that really look like? And the word heart, it's interesting in the original language. It speaks of the entire inner man. The heart um, is not just your physical heart but it actually includes your mind and your emotions and your will. So when the Bible speaks of the heart, it's not speaking of just your beating heart. It's everything. It's our inner man holistically. It's our mind. It's our emotions. It's our will. So to trust the Lord with all of our heart isn't just this vague idea of like, okay, in my heart, I put you there and I trust you. It's everything. It's, It's first off our mind. So to trust the Lord with our heart means in our mind, which means when you don't understand in your mind, what he's calling you to do or what he's telling you to do. Here's what trust the Lord with your heart means. It means you don't understand in your mind, but holistically you're going to surrender and say, God, I don't understand this mentally, but I'm going to trust you. Our emotions, meaning God, when I don't feel it, when I don't feel like doing this, when in my emotions, I don't, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like raising my kids this way. I don't feel like giving. I don't feel like being generous. I don't feel like investing in people. A lot of times our emotions don't feel like doing what God wants us to do. And trusting in the Lord with our heart means even when your emotions aren't feeling the way that you would want them to, we say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to walk in obedience even though I don't feel it with my emotions. Our will as well, that is, even though we may not want to do something. God, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to reach out to those people. When our will doesn't want to do something, trusting God with our heart means, you know what? I'm going to surrender my will. I'm going to give up in my will what I want to do and, and surrender and submit to what it is you have for me. So again, trusting God with our heart isn't just this like Christianese. He's in our heart. We trust him. It's everything. It's our will. It's our mind. It's our emotions. It's our complete inner man. So here, I guess, is what I've came up with, just a, a good definition of holistically what this means to trust the Lord with all of our heart. I would say it means to lay everything. That means thoughts, desires, plans, ambitions, emotions, will. Lay all of that face down and and surrendered before the conquering King Jesus. That's what this means. Trust the Lord with all your heart means, God, I'm going to lay everything down at you. You're the general. You're the conquering King. You're in control. So I'm going to bring all of what I have, all my mind, all my heart, all my emotions, all my plans, all my dreams. I'm going to come and I'm going to surrender those to you and I'm going to lay those down at your feet. That's what God is calling us to do here. That's what he's saying. It means to trust him with all of his heart. So with that being said, I also want to address what this doesn't mean because a lot of people have went off track with this and, and think they are trusting in the Lord when they're really not. So I have a few things here. What it does not mean to trust the Lord. Number one, 
it doesn't mean that you just sit around and do nothing. And th- this is so important because there's so many Christians who have really hyper-spiritualized what it is to trust the Lord, and they use this phrase, I'm just trusting in the Lord, to actually justify their disobedience or their laziness. And they just use the term, you know, I'm really just trusting in the Lord. I'll give you a few examples. Maybe you're like, you know, really just struggling financially. You're like, man, I just can't make rent and I'm just trusting in the Lord that he's going to provide the finances. And I would say, okay, like, are you applying for work? Are you looking for work? No, man, I'm just trusting that the Lord's going to do it. And I've heard college students say this. They're like, man, I really need a job. Have you been looking for any? No, man, I'm just trusting the Lord. Just, and I'm like, Okay, bro, like that trusting in the Lord means trusting that he's created you for work, which means you need to go out and begin to apply for work and God will provide a job and he will provide for you. But it doesn't mean you just like sit on your couch all day and play video games and watch TV and just go, I just trust the Lord's going to like bring the money. That's not how it works. He's commanded us and called us to go out and to work and to pursue that. And so trusting in the Lord isn't I'm watching TV and I know he's going to pay the bills. Also raising kids. Kids. Like a lot of people say, you know, I'm just, I'm just trusting in the Lord that my kids are going to turn out the way that God has created them to turn out. I trust that when they get older, they're just going to follow Jesus. But the question is, are, are you training them? Are, are you raising them? The proverb says, you know, to train a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from it. Are, are you being hands-on and are you teaching them to follow Jesus? Are you investing in their lives? Are, are you even correcting them when they make mistakes? That's a huge part of parenting as well. I was sadly uh, at an individual's house um, uh, a while back and it was crazy they had this this kid who was just throwing dishes on the ground and just like making the craziest scene and they were just like hey don't do that buddy and I'm like dude like that ain't that ain't gonna work God's called you like to correct them and to be like hey like y'all gotta you know do a little discipline up in here church discipline you know parent discipline you know all that what I'm saying so like it doesn't just mean God I'm just gonna trust you with my kids and you just do whatever no it means like you as the parent have to be proactive in their life you you have to train them you have to disciple them you have to teach them you have to be present there for them um marriages as well like I've, I've seen this that people who have a hurting or struggling marriage are just use this phrase like I'm just we're just trusting in the Lord that it's going to get better but they're not actually proactively working on their marriage like if your marriage is is struggling and in a difficult spot and you're doing nothing about it because you're just trusting in the Lord that's not actually trusting in the Lord maybe trusting him would be trusting what his word says that there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors maybe you need to go get some counseling and begin to work through that or or begin to make some changes so again a lot a lot of times we throw out trusting the Lord as a blanket statement of I'm just doing nothing, but that's not actually what it is at all. A lot of times we use that to just cover up what God actually has called us to do and we're avoiding it and saying I'm trusting in the Lord instead. So trusting in the Lord, it doesn't mean you just sit back and do absolutely nothing. Also, number two, what it doesn't mean, trusting in the Lord does not mean uh, to trust in your own understanding because that's what the text says as well. Look, he says, trust in the Lord with all your your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So to trust God doesn't mean I'm just always going to do what makes the most sense. He actually says the opposite. He says, do not lean on your own understanding. Why is that? Why would I not just do what I understand and what makes the most sense? Well, a few things. 
all throughout the book of Proverbs, it tells us that the person who leans and trusts on their own understanding, the Bible actually calls that person a fool. Proverbs 12, 15, the fool and the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs 21, 2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Proverbs 28, 26, whoever trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. So all throughout the scripture, we see relying on your own understanding, trusting in your own heart is a really foolish thing to do. And why is that? Well, it's because we don't see things the way that God sees things. God's perspective and his plans and the way he sees things are so much different than the way that we see things here on earth. It says in Isaiah 55, verse eight through nine, for your thoughts are not, or for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God, the way that he thinks, his ways, his thoughts, his plans, they're so much higher than ours. We are finite creatures created by an infinite God. And so the way that we see things is is so one-sided and so one-dimensional. But God, the infinite God who created all things is omniscient. He knows all things, which means a lot of times when we don't understand things, God does. He, he sees the beginning to end. He is the alpha and the omega. And so God doesn't call us to say, okay, I'm gonna just go off of what makes the most sense and rely on my own heart and my own understanding. He calls us to trust him, which means do not lean on your own understanding. It, it means submit again and surrender all those things to him. And I love um, Romans chapter 11. It says this in uh, verse 33, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Man, how vast and how great and amazing are the ways of the Lord. They're past finding out. We don't understand them. And so a lot of times, again, what God has planned for our lives, a lot of times it doesn't make sense to us. What, what, what he's called us to do a lot of times, if we're being realistic, we don't understand that. But again, God hasn't called us to have complete understanding. He's called us to trust in him. And if you look throughout the entire Bible, every single person that God used, the things that he called them to from a human perspective made zero sense at all. I'll just go through a short list here. I could go through every single character in the Bible, but here's just a few. Abraham, again, promised that he was gonna be the father of a, of a great nation at the age of 75. That doesn't make sense doesn't make sense how at the age of 75, you're going to have a bunch of kids and be the father of a great nation. Noah was told to build an ark, a giant boat. And yet, if you didn't know this, it had never rained on the earth up to that point in time. So God's like, hey, Noah, I want you to build this giant piece of wood because water's going to start to fall down from the sky. Like in his mind, that didn't make sense. We know what rain is. So we're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go boating, whatever. But Noah didn't. He wasn't like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, there's going to be water falling from the sky. It didn't make any sense at all. And yet, if he didn't obey, he would have drowned in the flood with the rest of the people. Moses, 
He was called to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and God told him, lead them to the Red Sea. Now, if you think about this, that's a, that's a terrible strategy. Like, when the Egyptians are going to be chasing you and coming to capture you, yeah, just go to a dead end. Just go, like, right to the edge of the water. Oh, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. No, right? But if he didn't go there, they would have missed out on the miracle of God parting the Red Sea. Again, that didn't make sense in his mind. Why would I go to a dead end? Why would I lead them to the edge of the Red Sea? The Egyptians are just going to come take us slave but again God had a a higher way and a higher plan which is amazing Gideon one of my favorite stories in the book of Judges Gideon was going uh, up to war with a a massive army and he had 32,000 warriors and God was like you know what I'm going to need you to get rid of some of those 32,000 because with an army this big then you guys are going to get the glory for winning so God reduced Gideon's army from 32,000 to 300 people and Gideon's like this is foolish like this doesn't make any sense but God's like send the rest of them home I just need you to have 300 like up against a million and he's like that doesn't make sense but he did and God gave Gideon and his 300 men an amazing victory uh, which again it doesn't make sense in Gideon's mind what God was doing think of feeding the 5,000 like when Jesus fed the 5,000 he told his disciples hey we've got a couple pieces of fish here and a couple pieces of bread go sit all 5,000 these people down so we can feed them the disciples are like Oh, yeah, bro. Like, that's a good idea, right? But like they did. And what happened? Jesus' ways were so much higher. He multiplied the bread and the fish to actually miraculously be able to feed everybody. Think of Peter who was fishing all night long. He caught nothing. And Jesus calls out to the sea after Peter, who is a fisherman, who knows the spots, who knows where the fish are. He knows where the steelheads are. He knows where the salmon are. He fished all night and got nothing. And Jesus is like, hey, bro, just throw your net on the other side of the boat. And Peter's like, like, are you really telling me to do that? Like, I know these waters. I've fished these my whole life. And Jesus is like, just throw the net on the other side of the boat. They're right there. And then Peter does that. And the net gets like so full that it's breaking. He has to call the other disciples. Hey, come over here and help me. It's like, what? Like, that that doesn't make sense. And think of like the greatest one of them all. Like, it's amazing. God's plan to send his only son, Jesus Christ, to come and die on behalf of us. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like that, that he would send his son to come and die so that we might live. Like again, the, the ways of God and the mind of God and the plans that God has are, are so beyond our understanding, which is why he doesn't call us to understand. He calls us to trust. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. The reason he tells us to do that is because we don't understand what he's doing. I can remember at the end of my senior year when I had applied for Bible college and got accepted to go to Bible college, the only problem was I didn't have the money. And long story short, I met this 85-year-old atheist snowboarding on Mount Ashland whose lawn I started mowing. And one morning, like I was doing my devos and I was praying and the Lord like put this thing in my heart. Hey, go ask Wayne if he wants to pay for your whole Bible college. Like I felt the Lord was telling me that. I've met this dude three times in my life. I'm like, that's a dumbest idea ever. I was like, that's definitely like not what I'm supposed to do. And the Lord like kept putting that in my heart. I was like, oh, this is freaky. So I went to his house. I knocked on this dude's door and he's like, what's going on? It's not lawn mowing day. I was like, I know, man, but I'm just seeing if you want to like fork out like six grand to pay for me to, you know, go to Bible college. I know you don't believe in the Bible, but just seeing if you want to do that. He was like, yeah, let me get my checkbook. And he like got his checkbook out right there, wrote me a check to go to Bible college. Long story short, like the end of every semester, 
I didn't have money, but I felt like the Lord kept wanting me to say Bible college. He was like, call Wayne. And I was like, hey, Wayne, I need another like four or five grand. He's like, totally, bro. Sent him the check. Hey, Wayne, I want to go to Israel and like walk where Jesus, I know you don't believe in Jesus, but where Jesus walked. I want to walk where he did. How much is it? Seven grand. Okay, bro, send him the check right now. So like long story short, like over three years, homeboy dropped like over 30 grand to pay for my Bible education. And he was an atheist, okay? So I would have missed out on all of that. Like, I wouldn't be here today, for sure, if I didn't go there. I would have missed out on all of that if I would have relied on my own understanding. How, yeah, that makes sense. Go ask a guy who's an atheist to pay for Bible college. That's, that's a good plan, right? No, but again, God's not telling us to, to rely on what makes sense in our own understanding. Again, he's calling us to trust in his ways, trust that they're higher than his. And here's the kicker. Verse six, when it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. So trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. It's amazing. This word acknowledge in the original language, it actually, the the Hebrew word is yada. It actually means to know. So he's saying in all your ways, acknowledge him, which means in all of your ways, know him. In all of your ways, know him, and then he will make straight your paths, which means what? It means trust, trusting in the Lord, is the result of a relationship. In all of your ways, know him, know Jesus, know him. And when we do that, as you grow in a personal relationship with him, with God, guess what happens? You begin to develop trust. Trust is the result of a relationship. You don't trust people you don't know. You're not gonna find some random person on the street, hey, come babysit my kids. Like, no, trust, it comes over time in a relationship. And so when God calls us to trust in him, the foundation of that is relationship. In all of your ways, know him, grow in your relationship with him. This is really what it's about because the deeper our relationship with the person of Jesus is, the more we're gonna be able to trust him even when things don't make sense. So really the foundation of what he's calling us to do here is, man, just grow in your relationship with Jesus. Just just pursue that above all else because again, as we grow in our relationship with him, you're gonna begin to see his faithfulness and you're gonna learn to trust him. It's a result of a relationship. So here's the reality. If you're having a difficult time trusting in God, I would say that the root of that is that you're not actually growing in your relationship with God. If there's things in your life that you're like, man, I'm, I just don't get that. It, it, it's a result of not pursuing him, not knowing him, not growing in your relationship with him. And there's a lot of things that, 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 do, that, that prevent that. There's a lot of things that prevent growth in our relationship. It just could be laziness, that we're not spending time with him. It could be we have some idols in our life, some things that we're putting above God. There could be a lot of different things. But I wanna just ask you personally, like, is there anything in your life right now that's hindering your relationship with God? Above all else, that's what God wants. He wants a personal relationship with you. He wants you to know him. And the result of that will be trust. But I want to just see where you're at and have you really examine your heart and say, man, is there anything in my life that uh, is really hindering me from knowing him and from placing him first? And then secondly, is there anything in your life that you have not trusted God with? 
He's saying, man, I want you to trust me with everything. Is there anything right now that you know God's calling you to to surrender? Like the soldier having been conquered to the general, that God's saying, hey, I want you to lay this down. Hey, I want you to trust me with this. Is there anything you're not trusting him with? And if you can't think of any, I can even help you out. Here's what you're not trusting God with. You're not trusting God with whatever it is you're constantly worrying about. Worry is the first alert sign that we're not trusting. Have you noticed that? When you begin to worry, whether it be about finances, whether it be about your family, whether it be about your future, worry is the indicator light that there's, been, there's, there's trust that's, that's beginning to be broken here. You're starting to take your eyes off of God and starting to put them on the problem. And so this is a good way to help you identify, man, what in your life have you not been trusting God with? What are the things that you've been worried about, the things that you've been stressed about, the things that you've been freaking out about? Because again, whether it's health, your future, money, relationships, all of that, when, when we begin to worry about those things, it shows that we're not actually putting our trust in God. But here's what I want to close with. Here's how I know that God is trustworthy because the greatest act of trust in the history of the world actually resulted in the greatest gift to mankind, which was a relationship with God. You might remember what Jesus's final words were on the cross as he was there being crucified, hanging, dying for the sins of the world. Jesus said in Luke 23, 46, it says that he called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I entrust my my spirit. Some translations say, I commit my spirit. Jesus, even in death, even in his greatest moment of suffering said, to you, Father, I entrust my spirit, meaning I'm trusting in this moment that even the suffering that I'm going through and experiencing is something that you have a greater plan for. I don't understand how this could work. I I don't understand what it is, but I'm entrusting that you have a greater plan. And in that moment, when Jesus himself trusted the father, that was the res- that the result of that was we now can have a relationship with the Father once again. We've been forgiven of our sins. It's the beauty of the gospel. And so that's how I know, that's how I know that we can trust God, that he is trustworthy, that even Jesus himself trusted God in this most difficult season of life and it produced the greatest fruit and the greatest blessing. So whatever those things are in your life right now, you haven't been trusting God with, I just wanna encourage you to just trust him. I wanna encourage you to give those over to him. I want to encourage you to surrender those to him. And when you do that, you're going to see so many blessings come from that because that's what Jesus has given us. He trusted the father. He made a way for us to have a relationship. And now we get to continue to pursue that and to grow in that relationship with Jesus and trust everything to him. Amen.